and welcome to episode 40 of the Sequel Pitch Podcast. We made it to 40. Marvellous stuff. My name is Drew Toynbee. I'm delighted to be hosting after winning last week's episode with special guest Mike Bithell. And we are delighted to have another special guest back with us again this week. Um, But first off, before I introduce our guest... I'm going to say hello to my regular co-conspirators, Andy Henry. Hello. And Ross Harmston. Who are you going to call? Ooh. Ooh. Not, not you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, but also joining us in kind of our rotating fourth chair at this point, while Matt is still on paternity leave, is returning very special, lovely, wonderful guest, M from Verbal Diorama. Hey. <laughs> I don't mean to debarge in. Hey. <laughs> very, very nice. What, I've been wanting to use that literally since I saw this movie. <laughs> Yay. So, Em, it's been a while since, since you were on for The Mummy. How are you doing? How are things? It's not actually been that long. <laughs> Let's be honest. We were saying this before we started recording that it's, Literally been like I think a month. <laughs> yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like maybe, <laughs> maybe slightly not been over. That long. So yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm tacking over a little bit, aren't I? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's all good. Um, you know, ain't no bitches gonna hurt no ghosts. <laughs> uh, ain't, ain't no uh, podcasters gonna podcast with you. I don't, I don't know. What to say. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know what I mean. I'm yeah, back. We do. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So, um, as you might have picked up from the context clues and the title of the episode, and when we tell you at the end of the previous episode what we're doing, we need to change this intro, guys. Um, this this week, we are pitching, we are reviewing and pitching sequels to 2016's Ghostbusters slash Ghostbusters Answer the Call. <laughs> I think Ghostbusters Answer the Call is now the official yeah. title. It's, yeah. It's Don't like use a, it it's an it edge of tomorrow it. kind of live die repeat edge of tomorrow thing. Rubbish. And and there we go. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna give the movie a review, we'll give it our scores, and then Andy, M and Ross are going to pitch me their sequels and I'm gonna pick the winner and, and then they become host next time unless M wins and then she has to pick someone else. But before we get into all of that, <laughs> we do a synopsis of the movie as quickly as we can uh, to make sure if you've not seen it but you still fancy listening that you know what happens in the movie that we're pitching sequels for. So I am going to jump in and start that right now. The movie opens with a tour guide played by Zach Woods from the American office pretending there are ghosts in an old haunted house that he takes people around before being attacked by a real ghost. We then meet Erin Gilbert who is a professor at Columbia University in New York City um, and she discovers that her old colleague and estranged friend Abby has published their book on the paranormal without her permission when another man who works at the haunted house comes to find her and tell her about the ghost of a ghost attack with the copy of her book. Worried that it might make her lose credibility and lose her shot at tenure, which is, I assume, just getting on salary at an American university. They met, like Ross mentions it in Friends a lot, so it must be a big deal. Erin um, goes to find Abby and asks her to stop publishing the book. Abby agrees on the condition that Erin join her and her colleague Holtzman in looking for this ghost at the haunted house. 
They go there and do in fact find the ghost. It spews up ectoplasm all over Erin and they they video it all and they put the video online with Erin shouting that ghosts are real. This immediately gets her fired by Charles Dance because she has no credibility anymore. And Abby and Holtzman also get fired from their job at the sort of rubbish science institute because the guy says he forgot they were still actually employed there, which I thought was really quite funny. Um, they set up their own company called Conductors of the Metaphysical Examination above a Chinese takeaway. They build technology to track ghosts and 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 catch them and they hire uh chris hemsworth as big beautiful idiot kevin as their receptionist um then a subway worker patty encounters a creepy guy and a ghost in a subway tunnel after a crazy device goes off and the gets the team they go to try and catch the ghost but they fail and then patty joins the team and gives them a hearse they can use for transport and it's ecto-1 uh, we then discover that the creepy guy patty saw is uh, making the supernatural events happen. He's an occultist. He's called Rowan. He he wants to attract the ghosts to end the world, and so he's making the devices to do it. He plants a, a device at a concert, and it makes a big demon that flies over the concert, and the Ghostbusters actually catch it, and they bring it back, and then it kills Bill Murray for some reason. Um, and then the, the mayor says to them, look, we can't pretend that you're real. We have to make it look like you're frauds, even though we know that you actually aren't. Um, so the Ghostbusters realise that Rowan's planting the devices on ley lines so they can work out where he's planting the big device, but then he uses it to electrocute himself. They then realise this was his plan all along so he could become a ghost. He comes back and possesses uh, receptionist idiot Kevin and then takes over the whole city, makes the police do a dance number, um, makes a bunch of ghosts, but the Ghostbusters show up, use their awesome, cool, new... Um, uh, proton packs and various other proton weapons to fight their way through them um and they end the threat after erin dives in to catch abby who has gone into the big portal like gandalf chasing the balrog um and then they pull them out and everyone's happy and despite the city being still really interested with the supernatural in the ghostbusters are heroes the mayor's office says that publicly they can't acknowledge that it's real because that would be crazy and they're saying like everyone had a mass hallucination um, but they agree to secretly fund them so they can afford to get the iconic firehouse. They build more equipment and then kind of post credit scene we see Patty hear the word Zool. And that is the end. So I'm going to start ladies first. Ladies <laughs> for the ladies Ghostbusters. Um, mm. what do you, what's your sort of top level thoughts about this movie? Well, um... This is a movie that I have a lot of time for, and I appreciate that is not the popular opinion on the internet. <laughs> However, um, I really enjoy this movie. It is a movie that has flaws. I would never say it's perfect. Um, I feel like it simultaneously wants to embrace its Ghostbuster heritage and also ignore its Ghostbuster heritage, and it doesn't quite know. It's almost like it. it, it doesn't quite know how to... Uh, walk the balance between those two things um, because mm. in one scene it's you know you've got Bill Murray and then in another scene it's it's trying so desperately hard to be its own thing but I have so much love for this movie in a sense of I love the actors in this movie yeah I love Paul Feig just generally I think his movies always speak to me I always enjoy everything that he does um, and I think this is a lot of fun and I think it got a hell of a lot of just general kind of flack, but also some seriously spiteful vitriol for absolutely no reason. Um, and to be honest, 
Because I think I suggested this, didn't I? I think I suggested this to you guys to do. Yeah, yeah, um, you did, yeah. And um, yeah, it's because no one talks about a sequel to this movie because let's be honest, we're not going to get one, uh, which is very disappointing because I think there's a lot of brilliance in this movie. Um, if it was only, and I, I get, you know, that they, they wanted to pay homage and respect to the legacy of Ghostbusters. And of course you want to do that because it's, a beloved franchise but the fact it's so beloved by lots of people on the internet is the reason why this one got so much hate and it 110 billion percent does not deserve the hate that it gets so um yeah it's a movie that has flaws but i am incredibly fond of this movie and every time i watch it i like it just that little bit more to be perfectly honest okay ross how about you um i <clears throat> i never saw it when it first came out so this was my first watching of it and i actually okay. i actually really enjoyed it um i thought it was it, the cast i think the relationship and the the actors really you know pushed it through and and like having those comedians do do their thing was really good in the movie and elevated it to be for me not a failure like it was like you know it's not it's it's weird because i didn't really go oh this is definitely a ghostbusters movie like i kind of put that on the back burner of my mind and said oh this is just a a, a, a load of females you know trying to fight ghosts and didn't really associate it with ghostbusters because yeah now thinking about it yeah it is weird that they're trying to like pay homage to the originals by having the old actors in it but then also they're trying to do something different um but for me like i enjoyed it i didn't sit there going oh this is awful i like i like the chemistry that the actors have together and mm. um there are things that i got a bit like a bit weird like uh, you know the whole chris hemsworth thing i was like it was it was it was good but they i it felt like they were proper going this guy's a fucking idiot constantly yeah, it, like it i really does. liked it it was funny and chris hemsworth was funny doing it but it, it just, they just kept hammering it like on and on and on I was yeah like, it, it does feel like he 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 wouldn't be able to survive living alone. Like yeah, it feels yeah, like he yeah. should have, he's that stupid that he should have a minder. And you know, if, if they were going to do a sequel or if in our sequels, they really need to, you know, make him a little bit more three dimensional, like, you know, maybe have a, you know, a little bit more to him. Uh, and some of the ghosts, I don't, some of the ghosts have, weird abilities i don't know some some can pick them up some can not pick them up they can punch them and stuff and but yeah. you know that's just little things but i you know all in all i really like the cast i think the cast is the thing that elevated it for me and made it something mm -hmm. special cool andy how about you yeah i can't uh go much more into i guess what everyone else said it doesn't it doesn't deserve all the hate it especially got when it first came out um, I know, I, I enjoyed it, but it does have, uh, yeah, problems, on, uh, problems which do kind of hold it back a lot for me, uh, especially in like the rating wise, because it is still enjoy, it is still enjoyable, but 
some of the things are kind of like hard to um, ignore, I guess. Fair enough. I think for me, it the most interesting thing, I like. I will. I will say hands down, MVP of the movie is Leslie Jones. Like le- yeah. everything she does makes me crack up in this yeah. movie. Like yeah. she's she doesn't get enough she... to do. That's like one of the main. I think, I think that's one of the funny things people joke about with Winston. Obviously, he, he just kind of turns up. But that kind of like he. I mean, that's the point. I think in the first one, he just kind of turns up. He applies for the job, and this, and then Patty kind of almost forces herself into the team in this one. But she doesn't bring anything to the actual plot or anything. She knows New York well, but to be honest. The others have lived there for a long time. They kind of know New York well as well. So. Yeah, but she has like this deeply specific, like <laughs> it seems like maybe she should have been a cab driver, seeing as like it, as far as London goes, it's it's cabbies. Maybe, who are. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then maybe New York cabbies don't have exactly the same kind of reputation as, as London cabbies. Um, but yeah, it, it it's interesting, Ross, that you mention taking this as its own thing because i completely agree and when when you sit back and go okay ignore that the other ones existed mm. you're this is it's it's a fun rollicking good time with some with some fairly big plot holes but it's got some genuinely funny jokes and a really strong central cast being funny mm. and that's that is plenty for a movie to be yeah um i think one of the and, biggest uh sorry go on Drew. No, no, you go. Well, I was going to say, one of the biggest, uh, I think, flaws in the movie, I think, is that they, they made it a reboot rather than like a... Uh, continuation. It? Continuation, soft reboot, like there was at The Force Awakens, where it continues the story, but it just kind of reminds you about what's happened and stuff, because it was basically the original, so it's really hard to, when you think about it, not compare it to the original. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And also, as much as I love the cameos in this movie of like yeah. the original Ghostbusters and... Um, you know, Sigourney Weaver pops up and all of that sort of, and Andy Potts. As much as I like that, I kind of, that's why I kind of feel like if this movie didn't have those, mm. it might kind of stand apart a little yeah. bit more. But yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like it's trying to force that association while also trying to disassociate itself from yeah. that universe. Yeah. Because mm. it, this is like a different universe of Ghostbusters. Yeah. But I, I really like that idea of, you know, multiverses of different Ghostbusters. I, yeah. I actually think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can't kind of have it both ways. Yeah, unless you're you know? DC it probably... at the moment. Unless you're Warner Brothers with DC movies, and then <laughs> you can just yeah. be like, "Yeah, this is a different universe." And you get a universe. Matt Reeves gets a universe. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah. gets a universe. I think that's the problem, isn't it? But the... that's now, not in 2016. I think that... six years ago. <laughs> what the fuck? This movie's six years old. I think that's the problem, isn't it? That. Maybe it's probably to do with the IP of Ghostbusters and the production company go and you know thinking mm. that they need to have them in 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 the reboot maybe yeah. like mm-hmm. and then it's probably out of the director's hands maybe I don't know I don't know well it wouldn't surprise me if part of it was 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 the creatives being like mm. the 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 first film. I, I have a huge soft spot for Ghostbusters 2, but that's because it was it was the one that I had on tape 
as a kid. I didn't have the first one, so that's probably why. But the first movie in particular is so, so revered. And particularly with so many alumni of Saturday Night Live in this version and the fact that it was their predecessors from Saturday Night Live in the 80s who made the first one mm. and they were such yeah. legends it wouldn't surprise me if they were like no we desperately want you to come and be in it we want you to come on set because we want to show you that we respect what you did and that we're not trying we don't want to pretend yours didn't exist mm. yeah we we want to embrace it but whilst also making our own thing and and like Em said I think like effectively they they tried to have their cake and eat it yeah, but they choked at the same time, and it didn't quite work in yeah. that front. Mm. It's it's interesting that um, Andy, you mentioned the Force Awakens because my my biggest thing was very similar to my experience with the Last Jedi, which was I showed up and sat down to watch the Last Jedi at a midnight screening, and I sat down like, oh my god, Luke Skywalker, my character Luke is back and he's going to have lines and he's going to be a badass and he's going to have his green lightsaber and he's going to save the galaxy and it's going to be amazing. And then he never used his lightsaber and he never got in a proper big fight. And I came out of the movie like, oh man, he, oh, oh, that wasn't what I wanted. And then mm. I went back and went, okay, no, hang on. It doesn't matter what I wanted. What are they giving me? Yeah. And that was, and I'm saying all of this, we're going to be rehashing this in two episodes time. <laughs> um, but it was exactly the same with this. Every time I caught myself going, ah, oh, in the original one, they probably would have done that slightly differently. Mm. And, that, and I think that might have worked better. And when I managed to shut that voice up, yeah. I had a much better time yeah, with this movie. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, fan expectation um, and, and how, what would the fans expect out of a Ghostbusters movie? Mm. And I think the answer is pretty much what we got in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I know we're not going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I don't know if any of you have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, yeah. but yeah. I actually saw it quite recently. Um, and I thought that was a very sweet, very lovely movie um, that was literally piling on all of this nostalgia to remind the people who maybe didn't like this movie, that, oh, this universe still exists, these characters still exist, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you this, and we're going to give you this, and we're going to make you feel all of these feels about these characters. Which is fine. Like, I have no issue with Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think it's a perfectly fine movie. But if you were to ask me if, to, if this movie and Ghostbusters Afterlife were dangling off the edge of a cliff, which one I choose... <laughs> I would choose this one. Oh, okay. I'd pick yeah. Afterlife, but that's yeah, just I probably would as well. <laughs> but, um, but I've, then... I've held off watching it, so I can't say. <laughs> yeah, well, the, but then you see, I, I kind of feel like very much that this this movie is such an underdog. Yeah. And and this movie has basically been swept under the rug. Like this movie does not exist yeah, yeah. to people anymore mm. because. Um, when Jason Reitman came out and said they were making Afterlife and he basically said something like, we're making this for the fans. And then he kind of backtracked a little bit and he was like, oh, but nothing against Paul Feig's version, you know. And um, Paul Feig is such a lovely man. Just mm. He gets so much shit for this movie. All of the yeah. cast gets so much shit. We're talking death threats. This is the, this yeah. is the yeah, level of ridiculousness mad, yeah. isn't it? That, 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 that this movie got. So I feel like this is a little bit of an underdog of a movie in many respects. Um, and like I say, it's it's one of these movies that 
doesn't deserve what it got. But I feel, I hope, I really hope with time that this movie gets maybe a little bit more of a, you know, a revisit cult. kind of further down yeah, the line. Maybe, yeah. maybe even become a, a, you know, a cult following perhaps. But it, it's, it kind of, I think, goes back to, uh, you know, fan expectations and also um, fan entitlement because I think people maybe got a little bit too entitled um, oh, and they yeah. heard that, that women, God damn these women, you know, women, <laughs> they're even allowed on podcasts these days. Jesus fucking Christ. Don't let women just, on your podcast. Just the one, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just the whole idea of, oh, we're... we're we're rebooting Ghostbusters with women. Yeah. And that was it. That's all it took. Yeah. You can't and you can't have women as Ghostbusters. Mm. But but why? Why can't yeah. why can't a woman be a Ghostbuster? Well, why can't and... a little girl, you know, see uh, a someone that looks like her in a Ghostbusters uniform? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah. It, it doesn't, it could it be doesn't the, make think, any sense. I think you well, and the nail on the head about like, you know, fan expectation and fan uh you know, wanting these these fans wanting something like uh, that they want basically um yeah. and these directors coming in with something new it's like when they first cast james bond um daniel craig everyone daniel craig, hated yeah. him everyone <laughs> were like oh my god it's fucking daniel craig fucking shit and now at the end of uh, <laughs> the series they're like he's the fucking best bond in the fucking world <laughs> yeah so it's just yeah. it's just but it's, it's always the same it was exactly the same when mark ruffalo was cast as bruce banner for yeah. the avengers yeah. movie and yeah. you'll notice as well, because I actually tried to find this, um, I remember several articles basically saying about how Mark Ruffalo would be the shittest Bruce Banner ever, <laughs> all of that sort of stuff from back in the day. All of those articles don't exist anymore because yeah. people have basically realised that Mark Ruffalo is the best Bruce Banner that we could probably ever get. Mm. Um, yeah. And so all of that, all of those old articles are gone now, miraculously. Until um, Ed Norton shows up in Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh my God, please. <laughs> oh, anyway, sorry. God, no, anyway, this movie. Anyway. We're on this movie. There's some, and, yes. there's some really good, like, moments. I, I, what I would have liked from the movie, and maybe they, if they ever did a sequel, and if, like, but it's to work and make the characters a bit more rounder than just sort of just joke, like, jokes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not to say they're not rounded, they have got roundness to them, but I feel that they could have pushed more with that. Um, but there's some really lovely like scenes and comic moments in the movie um, that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of some now. I, well, I, w I was going to say I, I was going to ask if you guys have a favourite joke because mine is 100% when they find the ghost is in the subway tunnel, they try and catch it and then it gets sort of smashed by the train mm. and goes into no, well, the train. Sh the three and, shots. <laughs> and, no, but and oh, Leslie yes. Jones turned ar turns around and goes, oh, that's the train to Queens. I guarantee he's the third scariest yeah, thing on yeah. that train. That I absolutely oh, cracked up. I liked... Do you guys have any other funny bits? This is exactly how I pictured my death. I, I cracked up at because it was just told <laughs> so perfectly as well. The beat after the other like lines, he's just like smushed up against the floor. I, uh... Also, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy, when she um, threw up the grenade, she tried to 
a baseball yeah, bat, yeah, basically, yeah, and then funny. missed it. And again, they didn't let Elvis sell it. It was just like, oh, shoot, and then like kicked over. <laughs> yeah. So, so silly, but also really was just, uh, was funny. Yeah, this this is a movie full of physical comedy, and I think we yeah. forget mm. that there's this quite a lot of physical comedy. Not all of it works, I don't think, as physical comedy, but the one thing I feel works as physical comedy every single time is Chris Hemsworth. Because yeah. this is a guy yeah. who is known for being just incredibly gorgeous. Mm. And he is incredibly gorgeous, you know, and you know, wouldn't say no. But um, <laughs> he's, he's at this point in his career, he wasn't really known for his comedy. No. And then mm. if you look at him now and you look at something like Thor Ragnarok, you think, well, it's obvious that he's got comedic timing, you know, and his comedy is so spot on. Whereas a lot of this is improv. And when you're up against seasoned SNL people who... Yeah are known for their improv, yeah. you know, someone like Melissa McCarthy can say something funny on the spot. And Chris Hemsworth comes in and he comes in with things like, you know, like when he just rubs his eye and there's no glass in it. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> yeah. And the other one where it's, um, it's really loud and he covers his eyes, which yeah, yeah. I, I love. But my favourite <laughs> of the whole movie is the whole Mike Katz thing. Can my cat come and stay? And he's just yeah. like, oh, I've got a really bad cat allergy, you know, you, I'm afraid you can't, your cat can't come. And he's like, no, but, you know, he's my dog. He's called Mike Hat. And he's like, no, his full name's Michael Hat. And, it's just, yeah. and it's then just... he says, and then he says he lives with his mum anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. And Chris, Chris Hemsworth is brilliant. My favourite character in this movie is Holtzman. I, I yeah, never I knew. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love Holtzman. Um, and, I never knew who Kate McKinnon was. I didn't know who Leslie Jones was either, mm. to be fair. But I didn't know who Kate McKinnon was. And now I know who Kate McKinnon is. I, mm. If there's a movie with her in, it's something that I instantly want to watch because mm. she, I think she's phenomenal in this movie. I love the character of Holtzman. Holtzman speaks to me, I think, as a bit of a weirdo. Um, but I, I, I have a very particular fondness for, for Holtzman. Um, my... Um, laptop that I'm talking to you on now is actually called Holtzman. <clears throat> so, when, yes. so the sister went basically went into the system, changed the name of my laptop. My laptop's called Holtzman. Aww. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, That's how much I enjoy this movie. I named my laptop after a character. Yeah, fair enough. And Ross, have you got a favourite funny moment before we move on to our oh, scores? The mine one was the grenade one was really good. I thought it was funny. Yeah, and yeah, okay. and just Kevin in general. The only thing I don't yeah. like about Kevin is why he's such an uber strong ghost at the end. Like why being like when Kevin turns massive um, right at the end. Why why does he turn massive at the end? Ask, answer me that. Kevin. There. Kevin well, doesn't not turn Kevin, massive. Not Kevin, yeah. but like... Yeah, yeah, he, why, oh, the, yeah the why does Stay, yeah, stay yeah, Puft yeah. Marshmallow Man physically manifest it, it's yeah. a great shot when it's smashing out of the building but mm. why is that ghost interacting with the fit the the yeah. movie has it is not consistent with stuff and I that's mean, it is fine a for a screwball <laughs> comedy like yeah. it felt like it felt like they they were remake they they were rebooting ghostbusters by way of um specifically channeling john belushi that's what i felt <laughs> like they were just like what's our inspiration for this movie it's what if John Belushi had been alive when they made the first one and how bananas would that have been? <laughs> um, so let's do our scores. Um, so I'm going to... I'm going to go in reverse order from when we gave our thoughts. So actually, I'm going to go first and say that I 
I am going to give this a 3.75 potatoes, tomatoes lines from Kevin out of five. I think it's got some really good chuckles and I would recommend that people watch it, but this, it's an entirely personal thing. This is not a, this is not a objective commentary on the movie, but my score is 3.75 because the lack of consistency with the ghosts and and a few other things and Kevin being too stupid to be to have lived yeah. to be <laughs> did in his 30s after a while as well. <laughs> it didn't quite work for me but there is still a great deal in here that I really really like <clears throat> uh let's go Andy what's your score mine is um I'm going to go I'm going to go 3 actually I'm going to go straight 3 because I do recommend uh, yeah definitely with like it's a problem with reboots especially reboots and um um, or just reboots, basically. Put just put getting the other movie out of your mind. If you go in, yeah, with an open mind, I think you will enjoy it a lot more. The thing, like what I noted at down, which I think really affected the film a lot, was the editing. I noted a lot of the time when they had jokes, it just kind of skipped to the next scene so quickly, it didn't actually give the audience like enough time to like you know absorb the joke. And I think that happened a lot of the time. Um, and then. Yeah, there was just some some weird direction uh, moves uh, or choices that like Paul uh, Paul Feig made, uh, which I think affected some punchlines sometimes. But like the sliding glass door when everyone's running up to the restaurant to try and tell the mayor, <laughs> yeah. we see a you know the the shot is basically just above her head to her like waist, and she's trying to slide open these glass doors. And yeah, the mayor's kind of go, the mayor's assistant's like, oh, she, you know, she's thinking, she thinks they're a sliding door, and she, you know, this is embarrassing. She's a scientist, and but the thing is, we just didn't see her really try and slide open the door. If we had like a big yeah, it's wide, not obvious. if we yeah. had a big wide shot where all the restaurant was looking at her, kind of going up and down these windows, and it's a ridiculous thing, someone trying to slide open the door, and we just didn't see it. I think so. Yeah. Things like this. Also, fuck Fallout Boy. Oh, I can't believe we didn't get oh, on this. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. I can't believe we didn't even talk about <laughs> so, that song. It's so oh. bad. It's such a bad song. It's like, why Why would you get Fall Out Boy to do a cover? Why wouldn't you get, like, some <clears throat> awesome girl band or, you know, female yeah. artist or someone to do your cover for your female Ghostbusters movie? Get yeah. bloody Beyonce in there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Who run, you know, girls run the world. Get something like that. Don't yeah, that could have worked. Fall Out Boy. Jesus yeah, just do Christ. girls run the world. Yeah, yeah like, that would have worked. Lean into it. <laughs> Um, okay, Ross, what was your score? Um, I'm going to give it because uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I think the cast really push it, uh, and there's some good comic moments in it. Um, I like the fact I I pushed to the side that it was a Ghostbusters reboot. So for me, uh, it it actually was really quite entertaining. So for me, I'm going to give it. Three point nine, um, mm. three point nine. Oh, I had it and now it's gone. Phones <laughs> in. Oh no, yeah, phones in the fish tank. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, and I won three. <laughs> I got three uh, president plants as well because that was another joke that really made me laugh. <laughs> the year's twenty forty, and our president's a plant. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, M, what's your score? Well, 
I mean, I can't really give it five, can I? Because I've already used my five for the mummy. Um, so uh, I shall, I shall you, be giving it five. You get a new five you every time you, you come on. You give it whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't use no, what you have left over from last time. <laughs> yeah. I've used five. So now I can use 4.99. Um, no, no uh, I, I realise that's not how it works, by the way. Uh, I was just making it clear that all my hyperbole was saved for the mummy. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I literally have nothing bad to say about that one. Um, so... Yeah, I like I say, I'm very fond of this movie. I enjoy this movie a lot, and I enjoy it more every time I watch it. So um, I just think it's lovely fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that, as a woman, uh, I mean, obviously you guys won't know because you're not women, but as a woman, um, growing up um, and watching, because I grew, I grew up watching Ghostbusters movies, and I loved watching Ghostbusters movies growing up. But you kind of forget sometimes how little women actually have had. You oh, know, yeah. women women get serviced by, you know, rom-coms and stuff like that because that's what we like, according to Hollywood. <laughs> we, like, we like rom-coms, we like chick flicks, you know, we like period dramas. I'm not knocking a good period drama, by the way. <laughs> but when it comes to anything kind of action-based, anything science-based or, you know, based in STEM or adventure-based or anything like that. It was always kind of the man's domain. And so for me, I can't stress enough how important something like this actually is. Mm. Because if I saw this when I was younger, obviously, oh, maybe maybe I would have grown up and said, Mum, I'm going to be a Ghostbuster. Which, you know, <laughs> obviously, at the moment, ghosts aren't real, uh, no matter what Aaron Gilbert says. Um, but to have something like this out there for not only young girls but young boys as well to see this mm. is what women can do yeah you know that science and you know anything stem is not just reserved for boys because i i work in stem so i can i can say it's not just for boys because i this that's the field that i work in so um but if i had that growing up you know Technically, I'd probably still be where I am today, but you just can't underestimate how much a movie like this actually means to not just young girls, but young boys as well, because I think it's important to show young boys and young men that women are just as good. Women are equal. You know, men can be Ghostbusters, women can be Ghostbusters. And it's not just something that's reserved for men. And I just think that's a really important thing. This movie is trying to say something really important, you know, behind all the ghosts. And so I am going to, because I, I was a little bit concerned that I was going to come here and the, not that you guys were going to say, this is shit, like not even one out of five. This is like zero <laughs> out of five because women, misogyny, sexism, rare women. Um, yeah, because <laughs> that's because that's what men on the internet sound like. Um, but um, I, I do have a maybe a slight bias towards this movie, and I'll fully admit I'm biased towards a lot of things. And I and I like movies <laughs> that feature women, um, and I like movies that give women a chance to shine. And this movie does, despite its flaws that are you know quite obvious. Um, I've spoken about them. Saying that, I would like to be in a position where, as the token woman, 
uh, of this particular episode. Um, this, despite all the lovely dresses that you're wearing, I think you all look fabulous, by the way. Um, especially love your heels, Drew. Um, but what I, I would like to maybe give it a slightly elevated score in a sense that I, as much as I kind of see the flaws in this movie, I see so much more value in this movie as well. Um, so I would like to give it uh, four out of five wontons in my soup. Nice. Um, because okay. as, as we know, it's very important to have a good wonton to, to uh, broth ratio. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. <I> think four. <laughs> oh. That broth looked no one, like fucking dishwater. Like no oh. one wants one wonton, so uh, I'm glad. I'm glad none of you gave it one wonton. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd like. I'd like to give it four wontons. Okay, and that brings it in at a a respectable recommendation of three point six six out of five. So it's around the same area as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Another classic slightly comedy. below Spider Man Far From Home. <laughs> You know, it's, Spider-Man it's, Far From Home. Yeah, Spider-Man. I mean, where's that? Spider-Man was three point nine one. Oh, okay. Like, we actually no, we don't three point seven five. So closest to Signs, actually, just below Signs and just above uh, Labyrinth, nice. actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, there we go. So now we have our score. That's what we thought of the original. Mm-hmm. But oh, well, the, oh. the 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 original. <laughs> this is what we thought of Ghostbusters yeah. Answer the Call, but now. I think it's time for you lot to get your sequels pitched. Ain't no pitches gonna hunt no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going in the episode description. Um, so the pitch section is very, very simple. Uh, one at a time, our pitchers will pitch their pitches to me. I'm going to say the word pitch as many times as I can in as <laughs> in the short pitch. space of time pitch, as possible. Pitch, pitch. Um, I might have questions for them. I might not. We'll see how it goes. We will then enter into the debate phase where they will each, in a sort of freeform scat jazz, shouting over one another, try and tell me why I should pick theirs and why I shouldn't pick the others. Um, I'll make sure that we have a bit of a recap, a mini recap of all of them for you guys to keep track of at home. And then I'll decide who I think has either pitched the best movie or made the most convincing argument. And we'll go from there. So I would like to begin, please, with Andy. All right, then. Andy, what is your Ghostbusters Answer the Call sequel called? Mine is called... uh, Your list of choices this week are Ghostbusters 2. If you see something, say something. Uh, Ghostbusters 2. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... Uh, um, Ghostbusters 2 hold for the Ghostbusters it's like aren't who answered the call and then you're like hold for Ghostbusters um, <laughs> Portal to Hell or Riser Goza so um, a couple there to work with sorry okay. I don't know why I'm finding those so funny yeah the last two yeah. <laughs> just because they're such a departure yeah answer still... the call Riser Goza it's like oh, there's definitely uh, something's going on here yeah. I think it, I'm still I'm still laughing about the if you see something say something yeah <laughs> Okay, Andy, whenever you're ready. Uh, All right, my little blurb is the Ghostbusters come into possession of three crystals that can open the Hellmouth and they have to protect them from ghosts that want to bring back the big bad, uh, you know, basically Gozer. 
so we open on the call being made to the Ghostbusters. The titles roll as we see them suit up, get their packs on, slide down the poles and get in the Ecto-1 and drive to the New York Power Grid where uh, they meet a ghost that can manipulate electricity. <clears throat> and um, they, they kind of say later on, but they've been going for a couple of years and they realise different ghosts can kind of manipulate different like elements and stuff like that. So maybe a bit like fire and blah, blah, blah. The electric ones they call kilowatts, basically. So they trap, uh, they fight Kilowatt and trap it. Uh, then they realise that Kilowatt was in possession of a crystal and they don't think too much about it at the moment and they head back to the firehouse. Uh, when they get into the firehouse, it's a complete mess and Erin shouts, Slimer! And Slimer appears covered with food. Erin uh, starts to yell at Slimer, who is then comforted by Holtzman. Uh, we learn Slimer appeared just one day in the firehouse and the Ghostbusters realised he was just a simple, non-threatening ghost. So now he lives with them and he just acts like a giant, untrained puppy. Uh, and him and Holtzman have this kind of like weird close connection. Uh, Holtzman walks out to store the ghost that they just captured as the new mayor's assistant Tiffany comes in to congratulate them on catching the ghost. Uh, and they talk about over the last two years, there's been more and more ghost sightings and they're still being public, uh, publicly bashed but privately funded by the government. Uh, when Holtman, Holtzman comes back in, she sees Tiffany and she starts to act normal, as in like proper normal, normal, as in she goes like, she goes like, hello, I'm Gillian, how are you? Would you like a beverage? Uh, until Tiffany leaves and then she goes back to being like her weird self. And the women realize that uh, Holtzman has a crush on Tif uh, Tiffany and she acts normal when she kind of gets shy. Uh, Holtzman then gets embarrassed, but ha Patty says if she, if Holtzman likes uh, Tiffany, she should just ask her out next time she sees her. Uh, we then see the mayor on TV kind of giving a funny bullshit reason for uh, the ghosts at the start. I like the idea, but basically every time he goes on to give a, an excuse, it just gets more and more ridiculous. Because um, obviously everyone's kind of seen it, but he, he can't. So he's literally just like, no, nah, we didn't see it. It was bad plumbing. That's what it was in the power network. <laughs> bad plumbing. Uh, suddenly an alarm goes off. The Ghostbusters suit up and leave. Uh, they go underneath the subway where they learn that uh, workmen have un uncovered, uh, sorry, no, unearthed a chest uh, that when they go close to, they get thrown back by like powerful energy. The Ghostbusters run some tests, open the chest, releasing loads of ghosts that were trapped inside, uh, and along with another crystal, they bust the ghosts uh, and then take the second crystal back to the firehouse where they realize, oh, you know, there's two crystals and there's, this isn't a coincidence now. Uh, Abby says uh, she has an old book on crystals and tries to find it, but cut doesn't. Uh, she says it must be at her childhood house. So her, her and Erin um, leave uh, to the, her old house to collect the book. Why Patty teases Holtzman about her crush, and Holtzman says uh, that she's scared to ask out Tiffany out on a date, basically because she's never actually been on a date. Patty says, oh, while the other two are away, she can kind of try and teach Holtzman, Holtzman to be normal on the date. Uh, and then we cut back and forth between Erin and Abby going to Abby's old, like, abandoned, haunted house. I don't, I'm not too sure why, but, like, it's like a, probably like an abandoned farmhouse and stuff. So no one's lived there for, like, years. And so it's, uh, it's haunted. They find the book, but they also encounter a ghost. The ghost grabs a Abby's foot and Erin opens her coat to reveal, like, a travel-sized proton bum bag. Uh, and then just before Erin sucks up the ghost's... Uh, Abby gets a look at the ghost's face, and then as they're traveling back, Abby says they think uh, she thinks they just both just busted the ghost of her like nasty racist grandma. Uh, so that's cut back and forth between ha uh, Patty trying to teach Holtzman how to be normal. Uh, we open with like Patty, uh, like Holtzman sitting at a table with Patty going like, right, first of all, what you do is you look your lover in the eye and stuff, and Holtzman looks at the end of the other end of the table and it's Slimer. Um, funny scenes like that was Holtzman obviously failing to be normal and Patty getting annoyed. Uh, as the women study the crystal book, Holtzman gets ready for her date. She tries to convince the others to like try and let her stay and help, but they're like, no, go, we've got this, go, go have fun on your date. 
The date starts awkwardly, but Holt, uh, uh, it starts awkwardly as Holtzman tries to put in place the, pat uh, the teachings that Patty tried to um, teach her earlier. But Tiffany reveals that she's weird in her own way and just tells Holtzman to be herself. There's a spark, the two smile, uh, and then they... Um, da -da -da -da. Oh, no, so there's a spark uh, and the two smile. The, um, it was Erin, Abby, and Patty are looking through the crystal book, and they realize basically there's three crystals, and if they're brought together, it can open the Hellmouth, and shit will happen. Uh, the Ghostbusters then get a call to the about a ghost at the New, New York Harbor. When they get there, the divers reveal that they found ancient pirate treasure on a sunken ship, uh, and they show him the third crystal. We have, then have a big fun fight scene where pirates, uh, the pirates from that ship come up as ghosts uh, with a ghost ship. They steal the crystal and they sail through the town uh, on their ghost ship as the Ghostbusters chase them in Echo 1. Uh, back at the date, things are going well and the pair go to hold hands, but then Holtzman sees like the ghost ship coming and it crashes through the window, takes out all the windows because, yeah, it can affect physical things, I guess. Yeah. Happens in the first one. Holtzman grabs Tiffany, dives to safety, um, and then some of the pirate ghosts are trailing behind the ship and start attacking the restaurant goers. Holtzman pu uh, puts her purse down on the ground and like the suitcase scene from Iron Man 2, she kind of like unfolds her purse into like a proton <laughs> pack and then starts busting ghosts, looking like really like awesome in front of Tiffany. You can even it could either be like shot normally or we could have like slow motion funny like smoke from nowhere appearing and stuff like that. Um, the three in the car drive past and tell Hawksman to get in and Tiffany, uh, she tells Tiffany that she needs to go to work but she had a very nice time and she hopes that we, they can meet again. Hawksman goes to leave but Tiffany grabs her, turns around and gives her a kiss and Erin uh, and Abby in the car kind of coo and ah and Patty says yeah that's sweet and everything but we have a ghost pirate on the loose and we need you. So Hawksman gets in the car and they leave. Uh, back at the firehouse, Slimer is messing about and just accidentally lets open the trap holding Abby's grandma. The grandma scares Slimer, uh, who flees, and then uh, she sees the crystals and she knows that they can basically bring back Goza. She steals them, brings them to the pirates, and then we have the big end uh, Act 3 fight. Uh, the Ghostbusters have to do defeat the pirates and Abby's grandma. I'm not too sure how much of a bother Abby's grandma is if she's actually going to be super powerful or just like a nuisance. I think a nuisance would be quite more funny. Uh, but the pirates are like the big bad. Uh, as the po portal slowly opens and stuff, maybe they play like hot potato with the crystals. So it kind of slowly opens and then closes and opens and closes to give him a bit more time. Uh, Slimer finds Holtzman because he wants to become uh, comforted by her and then ends up getting in a fight with the ghost pa captain's ghost parrot. Uh, we see two ghosts fly out of the portal and a dark creature start to rise. The Ghostbusters try to use their proton packs, but the creature's too strong. They realize if they ionize a roller coaster near a, near a uh, nearby amusement park, uh, it should attract uh, a big enough lightning bolt that could send the creature back down the portal. Uh, big scene, basically, where they do that. They bust the grandma and nearly all the pirates, but they're not outnumbered and can't, like, push the button or do the final bit of their plan. They think it all was lost, but then Slimer appears and pushes the button or saves the day and stuff like that. Uh, the creatures push back down the portal. Uh, the Ghostbusters get the rest of the pirates and then separate the crystals, closing the portal. And we end in the firehouse. Erin uh, and Slimer are now friends because uh, Slimer's like saved the day. Holtz is with Tiffany and Kevin his, is there. He's been there the whole time. He's just not relevant to the plot in this movie. Uh, and then we see the TV uh, on the TV. The mayor's there giving another excuse about pirate ghosts. And he's like, you sound crazy, pirate ghosts. What are you fucking talking about? Um, the Ghostbusters have a big chat about obviously these three crystals um, could open the Hellmouth and who should be in charge. And they're like, who better hands than our own? Uh, and then we end, but then we have a mid-scene or mid-credit scene. The mayor is working late. <clears throat> the mayor is working late at night, and an elderly lady, an elderly cleaning lady, comes in and starts to uh, like clean up around him. 
Meow Kills are a bit of a nuisance. They, ha- they get into a little bit of an argument. And then we see the two ghosts, basically, that flew out of the portal come in and possess them. Uh, and then they start heavily kissing on the desk. And they can kind of say their names so we get the idea of who they are. And then they say, oh, we will bring back... Uh, we will open the portal and bring back Gozer. Okay. All right. I um, I don't think I have any questions for you. I'm going to move straight on oh. to M. <laughs> well, I can tell you it's not as long as the mummy. <laughs> 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 I can tell you that for certain. Um, Okie dokie. So, so, M, what's the title of your Ghostbusters sequel? So, I actually changed my title kind of at the last minute because it was... Um, Oh, what was it? <laughs> oh, I can't remember. No, it was. It was Ghostbusters Ghosts of Our Past. And then I changed it. Um, and I've changed it to Ghostbusters 2, but it's Ghostbusters, comma, T-O-O, as in we're Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> okay. okay. I like that. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a play on two and it's a play on two. Uh, and I, I like that a bit more. Um, I actually... I, I didn't write like a, a summary because I forgot. <laughs> that's all right. But um, so I'm just going to kind of jump straight into like the cold open, if that's OK. Yeah, of course. OK, so um, so the movie opens and there's some ghosts terrorizing a hotel. It's, you know, pretty standard Ghostbusters opening. Uh, and the owners call the Ghostbusters. Um, and so you get like the familiar Ghostbusters theme uh, and the camera just kind of focuses on the uniforms of these Ghostbusters as they suit up. They get into Ecto One. Uh, they go to this building, and they basically so you don't you don't see their faces. You just see them go into the building to bust ghosts. Um, and then the camera pans up, and it's a group of four unknown men in Ghostbuster uniforms, uh, basically asking the person who called them where the apparition is, uh, and is there an emergency exit in the room? And the owner of the hotel says yes. Uh, the ghost is in the dining room. Yes, there's an exit. It's up the left. Um, and so basically just leaves these male Ghostbusters to what they need to do. The men enter the room, uh, they open the emergency exit, and our four female Ghostbusters come in uh, with all their kit. They kind of look a little bit dejected, um, and the female Ghostbusters find and catch this ghost. They contain it. Um, they actually give the containment unit to the men, and then the female Ghostbusters leave through the emergency exit, uh, and the men basically... Um, the next shot is the men emerging victorious from this hotel dining room with a containment unit saying, we got it, we got it, and a crowd obviously cheering. Uh, and then cue title card, Ghostbusters, comma, two. Mm. Um, and so we realise uh, it's been five years since the events of the first movie and uh, the ladies have seemingly moved on from Ghostbusting in public. Uh, so as far as the public's concerned, they no longer are Ghostbusters. Um and so Abby Yates is now a successful supernatural podcaster and writer. Obviously, I know nothing about either of those. Living <laughs> and recording out of the firehouse. So her podcast is called Ghosts of Our Past. It's obviously based on the title of the book that she wrote with Erin. And it talks about ghostly events of the past and how they link to events of the future. Um, so basically, her ghostbusting past helped launch the podcast. But according to the podcast itself, she is no longer a ghostbuster. Uh, We find out that Erin Gilbert is now married to her podiatrist. And it was basically, I wanted to think of a really boring (laughs) job. And I'm really sorry to all the podiatrists out there, but that was the first thing that popped into my head, was this guy's going to be a podiatrist. Um, And his name is Lee Weaver. 
And I've basically casted this movie uh, because I specifically wanted to cast SNL people in the movie. That's so cool. uh, her husband is Lee Weaver and he's played by Colin Jost. Uh, so Erin and Lee have a three-year-old son called Oscar and uh, Lee also has uh, a son called Trent. So uh, that's Erin's stepson is Trent and he's 18. And she gets on quite well with Trent, but he's like a typical 18-year-old kid. So he spends most of his time on TikTok and goes out with friends. Um, Erin is a part-time tenured professor at Columbia. So she did get her tenure at Columbia. Uh, and has also adopted Mike Hat, the dog, um, since <laughs> Kevin has basically left. Um, and then I realised in the movie that Kevin said Mike Hat lived with his mum. But there's a reason why his mum can't have Mike Hat anymore. And so Erin has taken on Mike Hat, the dog, um, mm -hmm. as well. Uh, we find out Gillian Holtzman is living with her long-term girlfriend, Annie, who's played by Amy Schumer who is a similarly brilliant chemist, and they have a dog called Goza. Um, and you'll notice as well, I've purposefully like put little links to maybe some Ghostbusters previous cast members and Ghostbusters previous things. So obviously there's the dog is called Goza. The son that Erin has with Lee is called Oscar, as the Oscar from Ghostbusters 2. His name is Lee Weaver after Sigourney. Um, so I've tried to link it in a small way to the original mm. movie. Um, Annie, so Annie is her girlfriend, uh, that's after Annie Potts. Um, so Patty Tolan is studying for a degree in geophysics at Columbia because I really wanted to give Patty something, something big, you know, and, and I really wanted Patty to be, um, you know, that's obviously Patty started from like humble beginnings, but you know, she is like serious about ghost busting or, you know, she was, um, but obviously, officially now they don't do it, but she is studying for a degree in geophysics. She's a part-time producer on Abby's podcast and is secretly dating a guy called Bill Baker. Bill Baker is going to be played by Jason Sudeikis. Um, and I just really wanted him specifically because of... Um, oh, what's the show called? It's gone out of my head. Oh, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, yeah. yeah. I just wanted Ted Lasso yeah. in the movie. Um, so yeah, Jason Sudeikis uh, is dating so his character bill is dating patty but they're secret like no one knows about them so not even the other women know about her going out with this guy called bill kevin beckman is now a successful hollywood actor because obviously in the first movie he mentions he did the actor thing he's gone back to hollywood he's going by the pseudonym <laughs> chris thorsworth and so when asked why he picked the name he replies that he was a big fan of the marvel movie captain america the first avenger and he named himself after Chris Evans, and that Thorsworth is his mum's maiden name, uh, which I, it's literally the whole of the plot of the movie is based around the fact that I thought of Chris Thorsworth. <laughs> and that's basically, that, that's, that's the best thing in this whole um, pitch, I guarantee you. But anyway, uh, I should win for Chris Thorsworth alone. Um, so um, basically, so in the movie, he goes by Kevin and he goes by Chris. So it's maybe a little bit confusing, but it's like, yeah. So like all the people will see him on the street in the movie and they'll go, oh my God, it's Chris Thorsworth, you know, and yeah. So he gets so, like a little bit of that going on. Um, but basically, so he's mainly based in LA, but he does pop back to New York occasionally to like hang out with them. But otherwise he's kind of not really there in the movie, but he also kind of is uh, because I didn't want to let Chris Hemsworth go because obviously he was like, you know, quite important in the first one. Um, mm. So... 
The basic plot of the movie is the Ghostbusters dealt with a hell of a lot of abuse following their saving of New York five years previously. And obviously at the time it was that, yeah, the mayor was acknowledging that they'd done it, but was also keeping it on the down low and basically saying publicly that they were frauds, etc. And because of that, they started to get a lot of abuse on the internet. Uh, and it was basically just anonymous trolls with nothing better to do with their time. So that's why they still do the ghost busting, but they do it anonymously. And then what happened was they formed a team of male Ghostbusters. So the previous mayor, Mayor Bradley, who was played by Andy Garcia in the first movie, he formed this team of male Ghostbusters <clears> as like <throat> a PR thing to show the world that there, there basically are a bunch of men who can get the job done. And this appeases the internet trolls because they realise that men are actually doing it and not women, or they think men are doing it. Um, and so these guys uh, who were doing the Ghostbusting, uh, their names are Bill Baker, that's Jason Sudeikis, Dan Davis, uh, who's played by Bill Hader, Ernie Edwards, played by Keenan Thompson, and Harold Harris, played by Andy Samberg, because to mm. be honest, I just wanted all of those actors in this movie. Um, and basically the idea around these men is that they don't actually do the Ghostbusting, but they just basically pose in the uniforms and they get taken seriously. Um, and the real Ghostbusting continues in the background by Abby, Erin, Patty and Holtzman. And then the men are kind of wheeled out for the photos and events. And Mayor Bradley basically explains that they need these guys for the PR, that women are never going to be accepted as Ghostbusters and it's best for everyone that the status quo continues. Um, and that's the reason why these men exist. Um, oh, I'm getting quite winded. I'm getting quite excited about this. Um, <laughs> so... What also happens is Mayor Bradley loses his re-election campaign and is replaced by, dun-dun-dun, a female mayor. <gasps> so uh, the new mayor is Rachel Reutemann uh, and played by the exquisite Maya Rudolph because, of course, I want Maya, Ru uh, <laughs> there, Maya Rudolph in this movie. Mm. And uh, Mayor Reutemann disagrees with the stance of hiding the female Ghostbusters and basically decides to reintroduce the team with this huge PR event she retires the all-male team, and this basically starts another chain of abusive online messages and hate. And these messages are aimed at both the female Ghostbusters and also Mayor Reutemann as well. And because of the extreme amount of violent hatred, vitriol, that's based not just on the internet, but just in general kind of everyday life, the swelling of this hatred causes like a split between heaven and hell. Um, and, and basically all of these like vengeful, hateful ghosts can kind of come through this split into the real world. And these ghosts and spirits are basically fueled by violence and like mean comments and spite. Um, and what this also does is we're going to find out in a little bit about, you know, in the plot of the movie, it's going to, it's going to come about that, um, there's these two chaos demons called Behemoth and Leviathan. Um, and they are creatures created at the beginning of time and destined to bring about the end of days. And it turns out that Abby's done an episode on her podcast because literally anyone who hosts a podcast will always say, I've done an episode on that. And Abby <laughs> has done an episode on the legend of Behemoth and Leviathan uh, and des describes that the end of days was prophesied to take place on the day when man truly turned on itself. Um, and it's basically all this stuff about like chaos demons and stuff like that. And I just like the idea. Um, and then what basically happens in the movie is 
these vengeful spirits that kind of come through this um, split between like heaven and hell, sort of like purgatory, really, I suppose is what you'd call it. Um, they actually start to possess humans. Um, and what they do is they possess humans that have, you know, the hatred and the spite and the meanness within them. And then they can basically possess them. And the humans kind of become not like zombies, but so they are like real, but they're also like ghosts as well. And they kind of take on like this kind of weird, like ghostly form, but they are actually people. Um, but I didn't want to call them zombies because they're not actually dead. The people aren't dead. They're just like possessed people. Mm -hmm. um, and because obviously this stuff's happening, uh, Holtzman decides to adapt a new type of proton pack to extract the spirit without harming the humans because they realize that the proton packs that they've got, if they fire them at a human, then they're going to kill the human and they don't want to do that. Um, and obviously these people that are being inhabited by these spirits are the very same trolls that are, you know, rude and misogynistic and just generally really spiteful and hateful. So we get like Holtzman cracking a few jokes about do we have to keep them alive, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then what happens is obviously the male team has basically been disbanded. Um, and, you know, we've also got like Patty, you know, Patty is still sleeping with one of these male Ghostbusters. So they have like a connection there with Patty. And um, the male and female teams of Ghostbusters end up having a heart to heart. And so the women are annoyed that they do all the work and get no credit. And the male team are fed up with not having the necessary skills to be able to actually bust ghosts. So I thought it'd be quite cool to have a montage because everyone likes a montage. Uh, even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> and um, so the female team train up the male team in this montage so that the men and the women can fight there, can work together to fight this evil. Um, but as a byproduct of the possessions, it makes the trolls no longer anonymous. And previously, supposedly good people, both male and female, are outed as these spiteful internet trolls, including, so we basically thought, well, let's get some characters in who are, you know, turn out to be internet trolls. And Erin Stepson Trent turns out to be one of these trolls and also Mayor Bradley as well. Um, and at this point, Kevin, AKA Chris, cause he goes by both. He arrives in a Ghostbusters suit to help out. Uh, and he sees people being possessed. Um, but then he basically says he's up for a role in a horror movie called Possession 4, The Possession of the Possessed. And he decides <laughs> to go method and pretend to be possessed to fully understand the psyche of a possessed person. Uh, so the spirits try to possess him, but because he's so kind and good, they actually can't. Um, and also he's basically like, I've been possessed before in, you know, five years ago, I got taken over. It wasn't nice. So, you know, I'm not really into that. And so basically Kevin takes on like as many of these evil spirits as he can because he's so good and kind and sweet that they literally cannot get near him. Like he's like almost got a barrier because he's so, you know, he's, he's an idiot, but he's a sweet idiot, you know? So, um, so yeah, he's like got this barrier against these, these kind of evil spirits. And he basically goes about and he starts like destroying all of these like evil spirits and they all kind of start leaving these people. And then I thought it'd be cool to have a nice, Ghostbusting montage uh, where all the Ghostbusters, so you've got the male team and the female team extracting these evil spirits from the humans. Um, but despite all of this like spirit cleansing, the prophesied return of Behemoth and Leviathan looks like it's going to happen. 
um, and Holtzman's devices are reading off the chart, um, but they don't know where in the world they'll surface. And that's where Patty comes in with her geophysics and she pinpoints the heat flow generated through the Earth's magnetic field, through geodymo and plate tectonics, through mantle convection, searching for radioactive sources of heat, which just so happened to be focused on the corner of Bedford Street and Grove Street in Greenwich Village. Holtzman's chemist girlfriend, Annie, devises, devises like this chemical mixture to stop the beasts and basically it's supposed to make them return back to their hell world. And so uh, I am getting to a point, I promise. Um, <laughs> with the female team and sort of Kevin slash Chris, overwhelmed by the spirits and the beasts, the male team kind of spring into action. They take everything that they've learned from the women and take their places so that the women can go over to Greenwich Village and stop the ascension of these chaos beasts. Um, and so they get to Greenwich Village and they basically struggle uh, at first to kind of, you know, figure it all out until Erin remembers something on Abby's podcast. So they basically ask around the team for a phone to listen um, and they find, so basically Patty says, use my phone and they start finding saucy texts from Bill, which basically outs them as a couple. <laughs> um, and then there's kind of hilarious moments of you and Bill. Um, but they, so they go onto a podcast app and, and then there's like another hilarious moment when Abby realizes that Patty isn't subscribed to her podcast <laughs> and it's basically like, you're not subscribed. Like, why are you not subscribed? You said that you listened to my podcast and Patty's like, I do listen, but just to random episodes. And then Abby's like, if you're a listener, you should be subscribing. Have you even done me a rate and review? <laughs> and Patty says, this isn't really the time, but no, I have not gotten around to rating and reviewing your podcast. <laughs> and then Holtzman's basically like, I rated and reviewed and I haven't even listened. Um, <laughs> and, then, so, and then it's like, thanks Holtz, but why haven't you listened? And it's just a, it's a nice little back and forth about subscribing, rating and reviewing and listening to your favourite podcast. Um, because, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, so they eventually download Abby's podcast and Abby basically makes sure to hit subscribe and give it a five-star rating while she's at it as well. Uh, and they find that episode 157 of Ghosts of Our Past. Um, and the guest is Dr. Barrett, guest voiced by Sigourney Weaver, but uncredited, talking about the Achilles heel of Chaos Beasts. And basically this legend says that if you actually hit them in their heels, um, that it's supposed to basically return these beasts back. It's... It's a bit stupid, I grant you, but, you know, it's one of those things. Um, and so they basically use this new proton pack equipment that Holtzman's created, um, and the beasts kind of start to rise, and they basically hit them in the heel, and then the beasts basically go back in. So literally, these beasts don't do much. It's just basically some expensive CGI that's literally on screen for, like, I don't know, two minutes, but it's going to look really pretty. Like, it's going to be, like... You know, I want to say pretty. I mean, like, you know, disgusting, dirty, filthy, ugly beasts. Yeah, yeah, of course. But there's not going to be, like, much destruction because there's already, like, quite a lot of destruction going on just generally. Um, and there's going to be, like, loads of, you know, zombie-ish people. But also, uh, when the when humans are, like, uh, possessed by the ghosts, that's going to be, like, loads of practical effects and makeup. So I'm not, I don't want to rely too much on the CGI in my sequel. Um, I want to do lots of practical effects and lots of, you know, really good practical makeup to kind of show that the ghosts are in there. Um, but, yeah, so basically, um, Behemoth and Leviathan, they don't rise. It's not the end of days. It's not the apocalypse. Uh, the beasts end up returning back to their earthly domains to emerge another day when man decides that it's going to turn on itself, but not today. Um, <clears throat> and then, obviously, with Manhattan in a mess... The people surround the male Ghostbusters and they're all like, yay, Ghostbusters, yeah. 
Um, and the bill basically says that it wasn't them. Um, it's all the women. Uh, they knew what to do. They're the ones who like trained them. It basically grabs Patty, gives her a bit of a kiss, and it's all really nice. And because they all like, they're both outed now as together, and it's all really nice. Um, and basically, the female team get their moment in spotlight along with Mayor Reutemann. Um, and then the film ends with Patty graduating from college with a degree in geophysics. Uh, Abby's podcast being bought by Spotify for several million dollars. Uh, Erin <laughs> having a heart to heart with Trent about misogyny being bad, um, and they make up. Uh, Holtzman and Annie get married, um, and then Annie basically becomes Annie Holtzman, and everyone jokes that there are now two Holtzmans, and Jesus Christ, how could we deal with two? Um, everyone basically ghostbusts, ghostbusts together, um, and ghostbusting is no longer seen as purely a man's thing. And then you get this nice little scene with some children visiting Ghostbusters HQ. We see them all being represented in ghostbusting form, and how important the representation of gender is, as well as introducing kids to careers in STEM. Um, and then I didn't really think much about a post-credit scene um, because I've purposefully tried not to link this movie too much into the existing Ghostbusters law because I want it to create its own law in a way. Uh, and that's something that I feel like the 2016 movie really didn't know what it wanted to be. So I wanted to make it completely clear that this, it's got little hints there, like there's a dog called Goza and all of that sort of stuff. But otherwise, it's kind of not really linked to the current franchise really i wanted to kind of step it away so i kind of just like the idea of you've got like a post-credit scene and you've got maybe like a couple of new people coming into the firehouse like stephanie beatrice and mindy <laughs> carling and tiffany haddish and i even gave the characters names as well because <laughs> you know why not um <laughs> yeah. so you've got a character called chloe gomez played by stephanie beatrice mandy chandrash played by mindy carling and whitney ross played by tiffany haddish and they're basically like, oh, you know, we're really interested in joining. You know, what can we do? Um, and the idea to kind of pass the torch onto these new faces at some point. And, you know, it's like men and women working together. It's like cats and dogs living together. Uh, men and women working <laughs> together. New, diverse characters. Everyone loving each other. And the soundtrack in this movie is going to be awesome. You're going to have like Doja Cat. You're going to have Cardi B, Lizzo, Taylor Swift. Sort of like, I'm thinking like the Birds of Prey soundtrack, but for Ghostbusters, but nothing from Fallout Boy. <laughs> the end. Okay. Nice. I should have said, should have said that was my biggest joke in the, uh, in the film, actually, was, uh, was Fallout Boy. But. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no questions from me for you either, and okay. I'm going to move quickly on to Ross. On. Right. Ghostbusters 2. Who are you going to call? That's what it's called. Here we go. <laughs> uh, the Ghostbusters, now a household name, have to battle a new evil spirit who feeds off conflict and pain. Oh, dear. Kind of similar to Ems, but we'll see. <laughs> I wrote mine two weeks ago, BB. Okay, here we go. Oh, you did, you I, didn't I, upload it, though, I, did you, I, until... <laughs> Uh, ten minutes no, I did. before we started. No, no, that, no, 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 Em, that's, no, no, that's, that's that was my Drew's fault. fault. That was Drew's that, none fault. Of, none, of, none of you saw anyone else's <laughs> until 10 minutes before oh. the episode. Okay, so, I'll forgive you. Yeah, so we open the movie and we see the familiar sign of Ecto-1 driving through the streets of New York, along with the familiar siren noise. People are cheering as they drive past. Maybe there's a news report saying the girls are some of New York's finest people. Then Gillian sticks her head out of the Ecto-1 and does something hilarious. I don't know, maybe she just like 
flips them off or something. I don't know. Uh, they arrive at a cordon off street. They get some dialogue uh, saying, this is going to be the hardest fight yet. Proper building it up more and more. Then as they step out of the Ecto-1, we see the place that you need to go is a pet store. As they are about to step in, the music builds uh, to a crescendo. Then suddenly, uh, Kevin arrives on a really crap-looking bike with a hand-painted uh, Ghostbusters logo on his like overalls. Um, they ask him why he's late, and he replies, I was getting meat. And they look at him strange, and he continues, yeah, because you said meat at the pet store. Uh, anyway, uh, they have a back and forth. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> yep. See? Always, always... Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, they have back and forth and enter. Next scene is the girls trying to capture some ghost of evil pets. So insert some hijinks around the pet store. And it ends with them seeing the ghost of a hamster. They think it's cute and it will be easy to catch. Then all of a sudden it grows uh, really massive. Uh, and they, anyway, like, they have to like get it. And Anyway, they manage to catch it and return home. They have some character banter between each other and we find out that Kevin has got a replacement uh, for when he's out on call because he's actually joining the girls out on call. Um, and uh, in walks, it's Liam's Hemsworth. Uh, <laughs> and, and we get more funny reactions from Erin. Uh, cut to the University of Columbia. We see Charles Dance, character Harold Fillmore, walking around the halls of Columbia at night. Uh, then he spots a ghost. He follows it into like a sort of basement storage thing. And then he suddenly falls through the floor to an underground cavern. It's a crypt with some strange symbols on the wall. He sees an urn on a plinth with strange symbols on it. Uh, and then maybe he like sneezes and accidentally knocks it over. And an evil spirit rushes out and hits him in uh, the face. Uh, and he's now possessed. Oh, shit. Because I want fucking Charles Dance to do his evil shit that he does like in Game <laughs> of Thrones when he's a dickhead. Uh, get some Charles Dance enemy shit. Um, next scene, uh, lots more banter between the girls. And maybe they, maybe Kevin and his brother invite the girls to theirs for dinner. And they can have like a funny, like, you know, scene and maybe they introduce them to their mum and dad and the mum and dad are really hot as well. And like maybe, is it Karen? 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 Karen um, yeah. Uh, whoever the one. Um, yeah. One of them's like, oh, my God, what is with your family? Why are they all so hot? Anyway. Um <laughs> Then we have Harold. Uh, yes, we have Harold Fillmore walking through the streets of New York, kind of like he's never seen any of this before. He comes across a guy beating up a homeless man, and he just stands there laughing. Uh, we can see wisps of some sort of energy exiting um, the two uh, and into Harold. Uh, the guy turns to Harold and says, "Do you want some?" And then Harold knocks him flying. Um, he then sees an advert for the Ghostbusters saying that they. The, how they contain evil ghosts and that there's no more evil on the streets. He goes to find the Ghostbusters. Uh, anyway, uh, scene with the girls again, doing some funny scenes, in, uh, and then in walks Harold. Erin uh, is like, hey, I'll give you a tour. And she shows him around and then shows him the containment unit for all the ghosts. He knocks her out, turns it off. Then we get all the ghosts escaping, similar to... Uh, 
the second one, I think it is, or the first one, either one. Uh, and causing terror, kind of like the scene, yeah, in Ghostbusters 2. Harold fights the way... Uh, fights his way out of the Ghostbusters HQ uh, and onto the streets. He starts to feed off the terror that everyone has and is visibly looking and getting stronger. And then he flies off. Yeah! Fucking Charles Dance <laughs> flying off like fucking Superman. Uh, <laughs> the girls give chase so that it's... Uh, uh, so... It's that time again. It's a nine minute and 25 second chase scene. Uh, maybe they have a battle with some old ghosts. Uh, they turn the corner and we see Slimer and they have a fight with him. Maybe they are drawn uh, or maybe they are drawn or they think that they, oh, maybe they are like, maybe they are drawn or they think that they should go to the university for answers. I'm not really sure. Maybe, but anyway, they have to go to the university. Um, they go to fight some more ghosts along the way. They go down to the crypt. Aaron finds, uh, with some quick research into the symbols and learns that it's a thing to keep in, a bad evil entity like the symbols on the on the walls and stuff are a thing to ward off the bad entity in this urn and it feeds on hate and all the bad stuff meanwhile evil harold is now at some new york landmark because reasons uh he starts to use his new powers to destroy buildings like proper Charles Dance evilness. Uh, as the girls emerge from the university catacombs, they see a TV. Uh, they see it on TV that evil Harold is destroying the city. So they s decide to blast through the streets with love songs in Ecto One uh, to ward <laughs> off the. Uh, so like just get some shit love songs and stuffing. Um, they get to evil Harold. There is a big boss battle. Uh, they realize the only way to defeat him is to give him love. So insert some comedy scene in which they give him compliments. Uh, anyway, he starts to become weaker and eventually too weak to inhabit the body. Uh, then the girls manage to get him in one of the traps. Harold comes to and is like, what just happened? Um, then at the end, one of the girls says, what now? Then uh, we see the, the vista of New York City still with ghosts flying around. Uh, then Abigail says, who are you going to call? There's a beat. Uh, and then Kevin just says, us, I guess. Uh, uh, and then um, post. there's a post-credit scene. We see John Oliver walking around Central Park. He stops, turns to someone and says, I'm the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? End of movie. Mm. There you go. Okay. Okay, right. No questions for you either. I'm going to let you guys kind of do the do the dissecting yourselves. Thank you all for your pitches. Thank you very much. Very competitive one this week, the, this episode. Very competitive. So just to give a quick rundown before I hand over the floor to our pitches, we have Andy's where the Ghostbusters work together and try to stop an army of ghosts from assembling three crystals that open the Hellmouth whilst Holtzman goes on a long date. Uh, we have M's Ghostbusters, uh, where they continue to fight systemic misogyny and teach people about... About and 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 effect, yeah, effectively fight misogyny whilst whilst ghosts while ghosts show up, and 
do more than show up. They possess they... people. <laughs> look, I know, I, I know. I, look, I'm being glib to okay. for all of them. <laughs> and we have Ross's where the Ghostbusters battle Charles Dance. <laughs> yeah, um, boy. Yeah, sure. Uh, who feeds off of negative energy. So there are definitely some... There are some parallels between all of these, and I'm going to hand the floor over to you three. All of you, in your own time, whenever you want. Let's keep it snappy, though. Who Just who pick mine, Drew. Just pick mine, yeah, <laughs> because I've got Charles Dance doing what Charles Dance does best, and that's being evil, and he's got a weird, <laughs> like thing about crystals and the pirates of the caribbean and this weird <laughs> book on crystals that they managed to read and they're oh these books these crystals in this book that i've got are just the plot MacGuffin that i need to solve <laughs> and the racist grandma as well should probably not have that in there um <laughs> M's, yeah, it would be lovely to have M's if we could afford every single American comedian in the entire world um, into her pitch. So that's why you should pick mine, because mine's the best. Boom. Well, obviously you don't have to cast who I've suggested like for this movie. No, you it's put it in your suggestion. pitch. You put it in yeah, your pitch. Yeah, I put it in the pitch. But it's up to the casting director to choose the no, right person. Late. It's just a suggestion. Too late. You came so, to the director you know, with the cast already. If that casting director doesn't want like Jason Sudeikis, I'm not going to be all like, no, I really must have Ted Lasso in this movie. If she's like, no, we don't want Ted Lasso. He's too expensive. Yeah. You did, gonna, you did you say know, in your pitch, though, you needed Ted Lasso. You were no, like, I'm going to get Ted Lasso. I, I so. for, for the purposes of the people listening, I'm thinking that we need someone like Ted Lasso in this movie. Because isn't he just like the loveliest, sweetest yeah. guy in the whole entire world? I mean, he world? is, he is, he is. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone loves Ted Lasso. So really, I mean, yeah, it'd be great if we had Jason Sudeikis, but... If, if this movie gets made, if my pitch gets made, it doesn't matter if it's not Jason Sudeikis. Um, it just needs to be a funny guy, because that's kind of the point. <laughs> All of these guys in this movie, in this, in this like new cast, doesn't matter who they are, they just need to be dudes. So let's just pick some random dudes and put them in this movie. <laughs> They don't need to be like SNL people. It's just my preference that they're <laughs> SNL people. That's all. Fair. Sure. All right. All right. Uh, well, Ross has got a, uh, a great act three, but he's got nothing else. Let's face it. Uh, nothing happens in the about? No, Nothing happens in the first hour of your movie. Charles Dance gets possessed. Banter. And Bantery. then, yeah, for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> for a whole That's, hour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Love that in the first one when they just kept continuing they those go to Kevin, They go to Kevin's house and they have dinner with his family. <laughs> You've got to say, you've got a good act three, but just nothing nothing else nothing else, <laughs> else going on. Um, M's is, I like M's as well. It's a bit of a downer, I guess, for a comedy. Um, like, yeah, I guess there's going to be comedy in there. Yeah, but it's like the tone, the tone of it is all a bit like, oh, it's a bit brown and depressing. <laughs> it's not, there's, it's how much ghostbusting is in, in how much ghostbusting, ghostbusting is in this like first hour as well? When the, there's going to be. Obviously, you need to... Look, right, what do you guys always say? You're just pitching the movie. You're not writing the <laughs> script of the movie. So you told me yeah, to get yeah. to bring you a pitch about a Ghostbusters movie. Obviously, uh, there's going to be comedic moments. There's going to be, like, huge just Ghostbusters a, montages sad, and stuff. It's just a bit of a dour tone. Like, that's well, all. And... you know, misogyny is a bit dour, isn't it? Let's be Did honest. You... It's, not, it's not the best, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, thing it's to be happy through, about, so. no. <laughs> I like You've got a montage, and I guess you said, like, as well. Like, uh, So these, the women are, tra are training the men during a montage. Are people yeah. still getting possessed while their montage is going on? 
Well, because obviously the the spirits have been released, and so are they, yes, they in the are, back. They are just so like... they, they they're pumping up and stuff, and they're just like <laughs> seeing all these ghosts go around, going, "Oh, in about what a week, we'll be ready to do this." <laughs> well, you know, it, the thing is, is if you watch any movie with like a montage or a training scene, there's always stuff going on in the background. You just don't see it. You don't see like Rocky <laughs> training for this, his this spots, one's the, and then the like, plot and everything and... coming up. <laughs> Just, that's the point of a montage, isn't it? You're kind of condensing this period of time yeah. into a smaller period of time. Just and as the threat builds more and more. That was yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it starts off as like a small threat, and then as more people get possessed, mm. they're like, shit, we need to do something about this. Let's, you know, let's train these guys. And it's, yeah, it's basically the fundamental thing is it's men and women working together. Instead of men versus women, it's these two groups of people coming together to fight a common enemy. That's the point. But they need to be trained. Obviously, the women have the skills, so they're yeah. going to be training the men. I just like the idea that like everyone's getting possessed and shit's going on outside. <laughs> outside the gym when they're just like, just, not listen to this, fingers in the ears. <laughs> uh, pick mine, basically. Mine is, mine's a good Ghostbusters sequel. It's got the comedy. We don't need any more like explaining. We're not building anything up. We can get straight in with the Ghostbusting. Have a good ghost uh, story with some Pirates of the Caribbean, because everyone loves Pirates. Um, uh, in, yeah. in in the in the fucking New York Harbor. In the New York Harbor, yep. <laughs> that famous place where they all found pirate ships in the. Hey, fucking you bowl. don't know. That you don't know that. Rife. The divers were just as surprised at finding this pirate treasure as you are. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, personally, I think you should pick mine because let's be honest. Andy has basically done Pirates of the Caribbean versus the Crystal Maze. Um, so, you know, if you want to run around the Crystal Maze and, you know, gather a couple of crystals with Ed Tudor Pole or whoever the other guy is who hosted the Crystal Maze, then, you know, that's really cool. Um, but then, you know, Ross has basically just taken, like, the plot of Game of Thrones and stuck some ghosts in it. So, <laughs> and also, hey. not only the plot of Game of Thrones and made like, you know, evil Charles Dance. And let's be honest, he's, he's good in Game of Thrones when he's evil, but also nicked basically my idea. <laughs> I didn't know you wrote evil your idea. He, he, did, he did not know your idea. You've, you've both pulled, yeah, that pulled was, mm. quite a lot from Ghostbusters 2 in terms yeah, of I mean, feeding yeah, on negative yeah, energy. I, want, I wanted to, I didn't want to copy Ghostbusters 2, so I didn't want. That was why I didn't go down the route of blasting music and making people happy because I was like, that's too much like Ghostbusters 2. I love and I song. didn't Act Three is funny, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I love it. I love that in Ghostbusters too. But I, I wanted to keep this so. I mean, you know, it is a separate entity. That's why there is no kind of callback to anything like that. You know, in the first movie, we've got that callback to Zool at the end. That's kind of why I stayed away from that, and I stayed away from a Slimer and you know, key masters and gatekeepers and all that sort of stuff because I really wanted my pitch to kind of be a little bit more independent because a lot of the flack that the 2016 movie got was because it was calling back to so much of this Ghostbusters stuff. So I really wanted my pitch to create its own law um, mm. and to kind of be more of an independent thing rather than relying on those things that obviously people know because this is supposed to be a Ghostbusters movie and I appreciate that. But I wanted to keep this in its own universe and not to rely so much on callbacks. Um, and so that's why my pitch doesn't contain any of those callbacks. Or if it does, it, they're very subtle callbacks, like names of characters and stuff like that, which is kind of where I wanted to put the focus on. Because I okay. just want to focus on these, particularly these women. It's obviously, there's going to be men in the movie as well, because I didn't want 
my pitch to be, you know, oh, we hate men and men are shit because that's kind of not the point. Because <laughs> even though quite a lot of men are shit and they do treat women like shit and the vast majority of the people online who hated that the 2016 movie were men, um, I didn't want my pitch to be like, oh, we hate men and man-hating. I just wanted it to be <clears throat> a story about ghost the Ghostbusters that are kind of integral to this universe are the female Ghostbusters, but they are more than happy to work with the male Ghostbusters and basically it's all just everyone coming together. And that's why you should pick mine because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not men versus women, it's men and women working together. And that's kind of the most important takeaway from life in general, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> and also if you don't choose mine, then... I am the woman. <laughs> I don't I'm play the woman card, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, there are there are good arguments on all fronts, and like genuinely, I have there are things that I love and don't love about all three. Um, I I like the fact that Andy at the beginning of his addresses the plot hole of some ghosts being able to interact with things and some not. I like that he goes straight in and goes, no, because there are different kinds of ghosts. It doesn't really come up again, but I appreciated that. I enjoyed that Andy... Andy's has a real arc for Holtzman. I I liked that, that she has a journey through the film. Um, I enjoyed that. But the finding a book when you have a bunch of scientists, like the 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 plot revolving on finding an old book when they are scientists who should who could be sciencing things, stood out to me. It there was no real central villain. It's just there's some ghosts and there's there's some more ghosts and then there's some pirate ghosts, and it feels like where yours ended with the, um, with the 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 Zool references at the end, it felt like to me there maybe needed to that should have been two thirds through the movie and there should have been a final act after that and some reshuffling with M's. I like thematically it works very well. The first movie before the, before all of the f uproar around it in the text is about is kind of girl power. It is about female empowerment in the face of systemic oppression. And you absolutely carry that on. I think it's quite, I, I like the fact that, it's very meta pulling in, referencing the negative energy of the online trolls being something that brings the ghosts in and makes the problem worse and all of this kind of stuff. I thought that was very good. I like the casting of the SNL people and Maya Rudolph. The taking out of the two big baddies is really fucking weak. And the fact that it's like <laughs> their Achilles heel is their heels and they come out of the ground and then they go Look, back into the, the ground. It's the proudest moment, okay? <laughs> that, like, that, that was, that was, yeah, that's an issue. Um, also, there's, there's at the end, you, you mentioned that the Ghostbusters, the men are being celebrated and then Jason Stakis has to be like, no, 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 it was the women. But the mayor has already done her big PR move showing that the women are the Ghostbusters earlier in the movie when she takes over so that yeah, was yeah but there was but the point is is there was still a, there was a huge backlash from that event because people still are ready to accept okay the women right, okay. so that's like the point is that's kind of the huge catalyst that starts it all is the mayor's like the women are the Ghostbusters and that's what basically brings all the hatred and raises these spirits because the, the hatred and abuse just basically escalates from that Okay, all right. And with Ross, I 
I like the I I I am a sucker for baddie Charles dance. Not <laughs> not because of Game of Thrones at all, but because of Last Action Hero and Great movie. anything and I think Ross knows that anything that evokes <laughs> Charles Dance standing in an alleyway shooting someone and going I just shot a man <laughs> yeah come and may arrest have, me have had, uh, <laughs> that in mind Ross knows that I love that and I I kind of appreciated the references to Ghostbusters too um and so we have Andy with some really nice like character growth m with really good themes and ross being the only one with an actual central villain that it focuses on and it's a really trite thing to say but if i could combine all three i think there is a fantastic sequel in here i think there really really is um giving holtzman that a, like that more specific journey in m's movie but where charles dance gets taken over and is the personification of the negative energy is mwah. but i have to pick one <laughs> and uh, i've got to pick one and i think that i think it's m i think it's oh, m. of course oh, yeah no, no, no. <laughs> can i just can i just say genuinely after i heard andy and ross's i was like these pictures are both great like i'm screwed <laughs> it's <laughs> that that was a genuinely tough decision because like andy's there there it would not take much tweaking to give it that little bit more depth and i i like just charles dance being the baddie yeah. in the film that genuinely that... would be a true selling point for a lot of people as, um, as soon as i heard that i was like that is a genius idea like genuinely <laughs> yeah. to have like someone like charles dance walking around new york and just being like possessed yeah i should have but thought yeah, of that but i didn't i think <laughs> i i effectively i think though that m's as it is exactly now of the three feels and it's a, maybe a little unfair because m had three pages and you two only had two but m's felt more complete in terms of rising and falls through the acts and the various different conflicts and the escalations that happen yeah. so that's why i've made my decision nice. so m i'm we're we are steaming towards an hour and 40 minutes so out out of these two i'm afraid i'm going to make you i'm going to oh, make you crap. pick again which of these two was your favorite Okay. Oh my god. Why is this always so hard? <laughs> okay, okay. My gut tells me to go with Andy for the Ooh, work with Holtzman. Nice. Because okay. I really like that she's got so much kind of character arc and, and stuff like that. Um and but yeah, if if Jeff definitely if I could combine the two then I would genuinely combine the two but i can't so can't have two winners okay um, get in but... there holtzman <laughs> you're you're all winners to me if i if i had been able to pick all three of you I, i'll i'll go on record and say if that was an option i would smush it all together and you would be joint winners that means m has won but andy will be hosting for the next episode so andy what film do we need to go and watch and bring you sequels for Ooh, as the movies just come around the corner we're all pumped for multiverse of madness so we're gonna go <laughs> pitching our our doctor two doctor two no doctor, doctor strange two, two. <laughs> 
Um, Doctor Who? Pictures. Doctor Twos. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll put it out there. I won't mark you down if it's multiverse-based, as I say, but just try and keep it more original than what we've seen or maybe know about uh, are we, the one that's coming out. Are we including okay. stuff? Actually, no. This, we'll, we'll discuss that off. Cut that bit. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> hopefully cut, cut, we'll, cut we'll see how Matt is going mm. at that point, but we are hoping, with fingers crossed, that the twins have settled in enough that Matt will be back hey, for the next hey. episode. But we will... Miss you, Matt. Yeah. We, we all miss Matt very much and we are ready for him to come back as soon as he's ready. But for now, we are going to do the big sign-off. So, Em, where can the listeners find you? Right. Well, so my name's Em, with an E, for every thing you want. Um, <laughs> uh, so my podcast is called Double Diorama and it's the podcast all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't um, I do have an episode on Ghostbusters 2016 as I like to call it I don't like to call it Answer the Call um, and the episode that I did was with the absolutely incredible Simon Brew uh, he is my mm, editor actually he's yes. the editor of Film Stories and I managed to Get him on to talk about Ghostbusters. And it's such a wonderful conversation. He is one of the most brilliant men that I've ever had the pleasure of talking to, knowing uh, he's a wonderful person. Um, and I genuinely can't thank him enough for all of the opportunities that he's given me. So I thought it would be nice to kind of plug the episode that he's on of my podcast. Um, but I also, do, <laughs> I also do write for him. So I write bits and pieces for film stories. Um, I've got a column in the magazine and I also write um, articles and features online. I've actually featured this very podcast yeah. that I'm on. Thank you, uh, thank you very much. My, uh, how feature. we kind of met. <laughs> it is. It is. And now I've kind of, you know, debarged in, I'm going to use that again, debarged in two <laughs> times uh, onto your podcast. But, you know, I'm two for two now. But yeah, if people want to find me, I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Feel free to talk to me about Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me back You're welcome. as well. Of it's, course. Yeah. No. It's not been that long ago, and I feel like I have basically forced my way in again to <laughs> 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 so, so talk about another movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for having me again, but you, um, I won't be back for a while. <laughs> You've had enough of me now. You've had enough well, of me for a little bit. And... Absolutely not. It's just that we've we've been very overzealous with our slot and guest booking a bit earlier in the year, but <laughs> yeah. we will we'll get you back when we can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll come back whenever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been fun. It's been awesome fun, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm not it just has saying been. that because I won. I'm just genuinely saying it's, it's has two been time fun. winner. Yeah. Two, yeah, yeah, two time, time winner. Two time. <laughs> we'll send you. We'll send you a belt that you can wear yeah. for when you come back. <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite cool, actually. I'd, yeah. I'd like a little certificate. Maybe I could put it behind myself. Display that, a little certificate. Oh, that is maybe something that we should start doing. Um, <laughs> but right, okay. We're, we, well, um, it has been a, a real pleasure having you back on. And we cannot wait to work me. with you again. <clears throat> yeah. And Anytime. For our listeners out there, thank you so much for coming with us and and hearing our pitches for ghostbusters 2 and if you want to reach out and speak to us you can will you'll mainly find us on twitter search sequel pitch you will find us we're on instagram and facebook as well if you like what we're doing think about leaving us a review and 
if you think if you know someone who you think would enjoy the show please to ask them to to give it a go that's the way that we're going to grow and get more people and have more big conversations and keep having good stuff happening so that is it i'm going to say goodbye from our winner m safety lights are for dudes (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to say goodbye from our other winner andy henry who you gonna call Andy Henry. (laughs) (laughs) And goodbye from joint winner in my heart, but definitely, unfortunately, last place as as far as official things go, Ross Armstrong. I've just shot somebody and I want to confess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, Ross, you so nearly won me round. Ah, And it's goodbye from me, and we will catch you with the next episode. Bye. 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 Charge the lines, create the vortex, break the barriers.